All right, folks, welcome into the Orange and Brown Report podcast. I am your host, as always, Jared Mueller. I hope you are doing well. Wow, what a crazy week at the NFL Draft. What a crazy weekend. And we have slid into Monday. Some of you are going to be feeling that for a little while. I know I will be from being up there covering the drafts. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, the coverage primarily through Twitter. Uh, I have some other pieces that I hope that I'll be able to put together uh, just uh, from some of the different events that I went to and those kind of things. But let me tell you, there's a lot of walking, a lot of up early up uh, and staying up late. Uh, a lot of go here, go here, go here. Uh, a lot of figuring out where to park and just all that kind of goes with that. It was uh, a complete, uh, because they didn't have the media room open on Saturday, it was a complete working of about 12 or so hours or more, both Thursday and Friday, which is not to complain. It's just to let you know, I am a little bit tired. It is Sunday night going into Monday morning. So just to give you that behind the scenes of when this is recorded, in case something crazy happens over the nighttime, it is not going to be a part of this podcast. I will not be talking about it. Don't get excited for it. It ain't happening. But We are here to talk about your Cleveland Browns 2021 NFL draft, the players they brought in, what it means, the excitement of those players, and then I'm going to be honest, at the end, I'm going to throw a little cold water, all right? It's just the way it's going to be. I need to be honest with you guys, and and that's really important as a part of this is, is not to be... You know, listen, I've been credentialed or professional, you consider professional because you get paid, uh, media member now for over a decade. Uh, so I can't just be excited uh, if there are real things to not be excited about or, or again, a little bit of hesitation, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, so you, so you can just not expect that. Uh, that's not me. I, I tend to actually, what I found is there's a part of me that has some level of chameleon where I can fit in a lot of places. I'm really blessed that I've had a lot of great experiences with lots of different cultures and uh, being with different types of people. So I'm able to fit in in a lot of areas, but I also tend to kind of have this devil's advocate role, whether it's professionally, personally, whatever, where I tend to look at the opposite side of things. And uh, you guys have probably noticed that over the years of my podcasts and writing and all of that kind of stuff, where I just naturally, my natural inclination is everybody's saying something's awesome. I tend to look for, not that I want it, but I tend to look for, okay, yeah, 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 this is awesome. But, and when everyone is like, this sucks, this is terrible, my natural inclination, it's not a decision, it's not something I do to try to go against the grain, because listen, that takes too much emotional energy and mental energy, but it, it seems to be just be my natural if, uh, in, in my personal life, professional life, sports, whatever it is, if, if someone zigs, I guess I zag and, and that's not on purpose. Again, that's not a goal, but it, it's just something I'm sharing with you how my brain naturally works. I tend to be an optimist, uh, but when things are going well, I do tend to look to try to understand what could be bad about them. So let's just dive right in. Uh, hopefully all of you enjoyed the YouTube show, which was pretty much Jake and Steven uh, with Fred and then Barry and then me. Um, and Ian was jumping in at different times. I'm not sure if I missed anybody 
else that was on the, ah, that's terrible of me, uh, because I wasn't on the whole time. Uh, the rest of those folks really kind of carried the load because um, I was jumping in to different things and those kind of things. Hope you enjoyed that uh, because if you did, you saw, um, you know, we were we were on the clock, right? We're, we're looking there at 26 and at that time, Steve and Jake and I were on the, the channel and we're talking through all the different options and there were a bunch of players that we all liked. You know, if, for me, it was either JOK or Rashad Bateman. Uh, for both Jake and Steven, it seemed like Greg Newsom was their guy. And when they got Greg Newsom, it made a lot of sense. A outside corner, a guy who can play opposite Denzel Ward, who has shown a lot of strength in zone coverage, but also can play sticky man, can annoy the bejesus out of the other uh the wide receivers, those kind of things, is not afraid to tackle. So there's a lot to like about Greg Newsom and what he does for the Browns going forward as their first round pick, because at some level it kind of opens up contract doors, right? So you have somebody 26 in the first round, not exactly an over, you know, going to get paid a ton of money. So they have him for four years on a relatively cheap contract, while Denzel Ward's contract needs to be extended relatively soon, right? So they just picked up his fifth option, um, fifth year option. So they'll have him, uh, but they need to look to lock him up. In the early years of the Denzel Ward, ext- Ward extension, Greg Newsom, the other cornerback, will be cheap. Now, obviously, it calls into question Greedy Williams, his health. Um, he didn't perform great as a rookie. Um, but again, was that Steve Wilkes? Was that, you know, just rookie season? You know, was that the, the scheme? All of that kind of stuff. We don't know. We know the Browns really liked him last year um, because they had him starting, quote unquote, starting over Terrence Mitchell for quite a few weeks before um, putting him on IR and, you know, not getting him back for that season. But Greg Newsom gives him a quality corner outside. It's a great pick. The value was there. A lot of people didn't think Newsom would make it, uh, but he seemed to fit everything for the Browns. Very young, but three years of experience. Very intelligent as someone from Northwestern. Uh, if you don't know, Northwestern is a, a very uh, highly educated school. Good grades to get in, all that kind of stuff. Even as football players, kind of like uh, not to the same level maybe as Stanford, but that's that's. A comparison is Stanford sometimes struggles to compete on the football field because of some of their uh, grade requirements for entry. So Greg Newsom, an intelligent player, a player with a lot of experience, but a very young player. So someone that can develop over time. So now the Browns have a player that can start opposite Denzel Ward. If Greedy Williams is not ready to go, if he's not doesn't play well, or the neck shoulder thing becomes a longstanding issue, they have a player who can step in right away. If Greedy Williams looks amazing, then now they have a third, fourth cornerback. They can rotate some, so keep Ward and Williams rested at times with Newsom. Um, maybe slide him in t- inside at times. Maybe slide Ward inside at times. A lot of flexibility with what they can do with Greg Newsom. A very good pick. Not an exciting pick, and that's because as a he's a cornerback. Primarily, he played at Northwestern. Primarily, when we think exciting. We think pass rushers. We think uh, wide receivers, quarterbacks. You know those kind of players. Uh, or you think of the Browns' second round pick, right? So obviously, the more exciting of the two picks, Jeremiah Uso Koromoa. Uh, an electric linebacker, speedy, hits hard from Notre Dame, that pops, right? That Those things pop off a little bit more than cornerback where – you know, they're, if they make if they have five interceptions in a year, they're doing really, really well. 
uh, everything else is past breaks up, breakups and good coverage. It's just not as exciting. JOK with the 52nd pick when many of us, including myself, thought he could be or should be the Browns pick at 26 was extreme value, especially looking at they moved down some picks. They didn't give up a pick. They just moved down 24 picks to move up seven to make sure they got JOK. And so now with Greg Newsom on the outside, JOK, uh, he's going to be what, what Jake Burns calls a hang defender. Um, other people talk about them as an alley defender or a joker or an ace. I mean, there's a lot of different terms. But when you think of a will linebacker, oftentimes you think of kind of that natural 4-3 defense where the will linebacker is kind of over the tight end tackle area. Really what we see, we're probably going to see with JOK a little bit more, is a little bit farther outside. So really in that alley, just outside of the tight end, you can think of him as a slot defender. Jake's work on both Newsom and JOK were great. We loved what we saw. Uh, his film work was great. It's an honest look at what they're good at, what they may not be good at, where their struggles can come. But JOK can kind of play that slot, hang, alley defender which allows him to do a lot of things. He can obviously get involved in the run game, um, but he's then available in pass uh, protection or to blitz off of that kind of alley area. And so just imagining the idea of at times the Browns could have Miles Garrett at end, Jadavion Clowney inside of him, and JOK coming outside of Miles Garrett. Like, that's legit, amazing speed, athleticism, all kinds of things. And with the 52nd pick, the Browns got a starting level player that many thought would be a first round pick and at times thought would be drafted higher than 26. People thought maybe at 19 to Washington. Other people thought even higher than that. Not significantly, um, you know, the 15 to 19 range, depending on what the Patriots did there at 15. So JOK at 52 was the exciting pick for the Browns fans and the team really they talked about pacing and all that kind of stuff third round anthony schwartz so again they went from having two third round picks to only one but added a fourth round pick in that process and i know there was a bunch of other trades that it took me a little while to kind of process all of them i'm probably not going to get them right tonight uh going into monday morning but anthony schwartz he's the exciting player on the field 4.25 40 yard dash he is an electric player on the outside. I compared him to Travis Benjamin in this offense. So if you remember Travis Benjamin with Kyle Shanahan, uh, Brian Hoyer throwing the passes and all of those kind of deep posts, deep routes that the um, play action game and all the boots and all that stuff opened up for the speedy Travis Benjamin. Just know that Anthony Schwartz is faster and bigger, faster and bigger than rabbit. Right. And we remember what Rabbit did. And then he's, you know, signed that decently large for him's contract out in San Diego and then moved around a little bit. Was very impactful. Right. So you can imagine Schwartz on the outside with OBJ inside of him. Right. You could imagine, you know, Schwartz on the inside with somebody, David Njoku could be on the outside. There's lots of ways that Anthony Schwartz could impact the game. He's going to primarily do that with his speed, uh, but he also is is adept at wide receiver screens, uh, taking balls on reverse, using him in orbit motion and things of that nature to really mess with the defense 
425, if he can make sure he's not dropping the ball, that is going to be huge for the Browns offense. And he is, a lot of people are saying in the first addition to the Browns offense, they actually signed Greg Sinet for the offensive line this offseason. So unless they're going to move him back to defensive line, which is something he played in college at times, uh, Anthony Schwartz is the second addition to the Browns offense. The third came uh, just a few picks later. James Hudson, the offensive tackle from Cincinnati, started as a defensive lineman at that school up north transferred and changed positions to offensive line played really really well for Cincinnati he is a developmental style player he could be a tackle he could be a guard it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts the really cool thing there's a lot of gets us in this class Greg Newsom you know at the at the Cavs game wanted a Sexton jersey to match the number two that he was going to wear for the Browns got that pretty quickly JOK has a tweet from two years ago that didn't y'all know I was a Browns fan Um, James Hudson talked about when he transitioned to offensive tackle putting on Joe Thomas film now no one is Joe Thomas but that's just a fun little thing obviously from Cincinnati again can move inside can go outside with Jack Conklin uh, you know he's obviously on year two of a three-year deal um, with Wyatt Teller as a free agent after this year currently scheduled Hudson could be in position to take over for one of those guys in the next couple of years, uh, or he can just be a swing tackle, right? This is where Chris Hubbard could be moved on from, whether it was in a trade or cut, depending on how his contract is structured. Uh, Hudson gives them some opportunity. And then again in the fourth round, uh, Tommy Togiagi. Ah, whatever. The Ohio State even tackle. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Really powerful, really strong. Um, It'll be interesting to see how he transitions. He's kind of almost an in-betweener where he's not big enough to be a nose tackle, but not explosive enough, assumedly based on measurements and stuff like that, to be a really good three technique. But it looks like the Browns are going to want him to try to take on that responsibility, learn from Malik Jackson primarily with Sheldon Richardson gone. Uh, And since we're talking about defensive tackles, the Browns, uh, it seemed like made the first undrafted free agent signing right after the draft. And that was signing defensive tackle Marvin uh, Wilson from Florida State, someone who last year people thought before the season started would be a first-round top-10 type pick. Didn't have a great season. The way I would describe him is similar to how Sean Wade played at cornerback. Uh, COVID and a little bit of injuries and just motivation and some of those kind of things seem to really affect uh, him today or him last year. So instead of being a top-10 pick, he is undrafted and signed by the Browns. So him, along with Tommy Togiaia, uh, which I struggle with pronunciations as much as I try y'all, um, are really going to give the Browns two younger guys. Really tells me that Jordan Elliott and maybe even Andrew Billings um, need to really work hard to prove that they belong because the Browns have a lot of defensive ends. Uh, and now they've added two defensive tackles to go with Malik Jackson, Billings, uh, and Jordan Elliott. So a lot of players on that defensive line. We'll see how the Browns kind of space things out whenever we get to that 53, man, which is just going to be so interesting, right? Tony Fields, uh, you know, at some level is a another JOK, a lesser JOK. Uh, he's another kind of hang defender. So he's someone who, 
Again, if the Browns are running low on corners or safeties for injury or tired or whatever, they can use in kind of multiple roles that I think would be really, really helpful uh, for the Browns. I think his first role is going to be as Tay Davis's replacement on special teams, and you're going to like what you see out of him. But there will be times where the Browns could have, maybe not in year one, could have Fields and, and JOK uh, lined up in the slots, either in man or in zone coverage, along with the cornerbacks on the outside safeties, uh, and and maybe at times no middle linebacker uh, on pass uh, on downs where it looks like a pass primarily, or they kind of um, motion the running back out of the backfield. You could see two very athletic players uh, at that time who can really do a lot from that hang kind of slot area. Uh, as quote-unquote linebackers, but also Tony Fields will be helpful on special teams, as will Richard LeCount, LeCount, however you might pronounce that. We'll call him the, the, if he's good, we're going to give him some kind of name like uh, the Count of Berea or uh, whatever. Like we're going to, we'll figure that name out in the t-shirt company. We'll kind of take care of that. But leader, a real leader at Georgia, uh, had a motorcycle dirt bike kind of accident during the season that affected him and still affected him into his testing, which allowed him to drop down to round five. But another safety can do a lot of different things, plays a little bit more like a strong safety or a box safety, uh, but is sized a little bit more like a free safety. But we know that Joe Woods, Kevin Stefanski, and Andrew Berry like flexibility. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they use him again. Possibility that he is uh, Tavier Thomas's replacement on special teams. Um, and again, we're just making a little bit of exceptions there or uh, expectations there. Uh, that doesn't mean they're right, but that just kind of those those seem to be good ways to replace those guys with young, cheap guys uh, who can fly all over the field. And then speaking of young, cheap guys who can fly all over the field, uh, I haven't got his pronunciation just right yet. So I'm going to use this because of analytics. I'm going to call him Demetric, uh, you know, like metrics uh, Felton, the wide receiver turned running back. Uh, or running back third wide receiver back to running back for the Cleveland Browns, who looks like he will compete with Ernest Johnson uh, for the third or fourth running back spot, as well as with Donovan Peoples-Jones as a return man. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if Anthony Schwartz, who didn't return kicks in college but did in high school, gets an opportunity to do that as well with his speed. Felton didn't test well either. His relative athletic score was terrible. But on the field, you see a player who plays very, very well, has speed, has quickness, uh, did very well for himself at the Senior Bowl. Unfortunately, his measurements really tanked his stock where the Browns drafted him there in round six, number 211, where at times we may have been talking about him as a third or fourth round pick. The Browns were able to get him at a, at a later time. So that's the squad, right? That's the draft group. Corner, starting corner, starting level cornerback, starting level linebacker slash safety slash hybrid slash hang defender slash whatever. Anthony Schwartz will obviously not start, but someone who brings a different dynamic. He was the fastest player in the draft at wide receiver. He can do some things. Uh, James Hudson, a developmental offensive lineman. You can never have enough offensive linemen. Could replace Wyatt Teller next year, the year after next. Um, could replace Jack Conklin uh, after his second year. Lots of possibilities there. Uh, two defensive tackles, one drafted uh, in Tommy Tagiagi. 
Uh, again, I'm so terrible and I apologize for that. I, I got to get better at that somehow, guys. Uh, and then Marvin Wilson uh, signed as an undrafted free agent. Tony Fields, another a JOK light kind of player who can get some special team snaps right away. Richard LeCount uh, from safety from Georgia. And then Demetric Felton, folks, that is the Browns rookie class. A lot to be excited about there, especially the speed. A lot of speed there. But is that enough? So you waited all the way to the end for me to throw a little cold water. Here's the reality. Rookies struggle in the NFL. That's just the reality of life with rookies. So while we're talking about a potential starting cornerback, a potential starting linebacker, an explosive possible wide receiver, um, you know, a defensive lineman, a developmental offensive tackle, um, you know, two guys that sh- should do well on special teams, it's just very rare that off that rookies are making huge impacts on good teams. Browns fans, we're so used to needing rookies to be big, right? So needing Jedrick Wills to be a starting left tackle immediately for a team, right? Uh, In years past, it was needing rounds one, two, three, four, and sometimes five to make an immediate impact that just is unlikely, both from that Browns are a very good team. Obviously, they're not a you know, they don't have 53 amazing players, but they're a very good team. And so if Greedy Williams is healthy, Greg Newsom may not beat him out. It's not because Greg Newsom may not be better. It's just that Greg Newsom is a rookie and Greedy Williams understands the NFL a little bit more body type, all of that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, JOK, Marcus Smith, uh, Michael Walker, linebacker Ranger, um, you know, Jacob Phillips, there are some guys that could you know, keep him off the field often, right? Anthony Schwartz, obviously we know about Odell Buckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, Kadero Hodge, uh, Jojo Natson. There's some players there that could keep him off the field. Hudson, except for injury and whatever, is not likely to make, uh, you know, make the field too often. Uh, that would be some significant upset for him to start or play much reps or obviously give an injury. So, and then uh, Tommy and Marvin at defensive tackle, there there is some room there, but a lot of defensive ends. Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, Tack McKinley can move inside. So there's not as much of a need uh, for those guys. Uh, Fields, uh, obviously, JOKO is already drafted. I mean, there's just... There's not. And so, uh, but I wanted to, I actually wanted to talk about this. And then someone posted uh, something on uh, Twitter that really helped me out here. Last year, of the 255 players drafted, of the 255 players drafted, 52 logged at least 500 snaps for their team. 52. Now, 500 is, is somewhat of a random cutoff. Right, there are players that are going to play eight, nine thousand. Uh, there are players that can be impactful with four hundred uh, kind of snaps. But again, uh, so I want to give correct um, credit. Uh, Sheil Kapadia. That's S H E I L K A P A D I A. So fifty-two out of the two hundred fifty. I'm going to read the tweet directly. Last year, fifty-two of the two hundred fifty-five drafted NFL players logged at least five hundred snaps. In other words, 
About 20% had prominent roles as rookies, something to consider when thinking about the immediate impact in 2021. Contributing right away is hard. End of tweet. It's hard, folks. That's why on Thursday, the day of the draft, I wrote an article on the OBR, and I want to make sure you you guys get back to it, so I will try to do my best to have that uh, link coming after this uh, podcast link. Um, But I wrote an article about how the 2020 draft could have a bigger impact on 2021 season than the 2021 draft. Because the reality is, Andrew Berry talked about long term, uh, we know development and just getting used to a 16 game or now 17 game season. Um, you know, everything is very, very difficult to a rookie. The speed, the size, the schemes, all they have to have remembered. It's just a lot. So while we are really high on Greg Newsom, really high on JOK, really love the speed of Anthony Schwartz. And if they just tell Schwartz to run nine routes all day long, that's fine with me as well, right? Um, we think the two defensive tackles can have an impact. There's some stuff there. There's some quality there. How they play in 21 is not indicative of who they are as a player. Rookies struggle. And last year, only about 20% had prominent roles on their team. So obviously it's really easy to look at those numbers and go, okay, well, 32 first round picks and 20 of the second round picks, you know, that, that gets you there. Well, yeah. So that means not all second round picks and no third, four, fifth, six, seventh, which is obviously unrealistic. I don't have the list in front of me of how many or who these players are, but if you just think of those pure numbers, right, even if you just think of the first five rounds, that's 10 players from each round that had significant impacts. Now, do the Browns hope that their players are available and, and can do that? Yes, but they have a lot of talent. These players have to earn their way, and there's a lot for them to learn. And the biggest thing to know is that the Browns, good quality teams, are often risk-averse when it comes to young players. Here's what I mean. Greg Newsom could play at a stellar level and have two busted coverages every game, and that could keep Greedy Williams, who's going to maybe play at a little bit of a lower level but not have two busted coverages in the game. And again, I'm just using those examples. Who knows? But the two or three busted coverages or missed assignments or whatever uh, we're talking about, that's the risk aversion for good teams. Bad teams can play through that. They're learning experiences, yada, yada, yada. The Cleveland Browns are not a bad team anymore, folks. So they're going to be a little bit more risk averse with certain players at certain times because they're trying to win games. And sometimes to win games, you have to make sure you're not losing those games. And to make sure you're not losing those games, rookies who could make huge mistakes if they're on the field too much need to be protected at times. So you could see Newsom only in for 20 to 25 snaps hoping to limit the amount of opportunities for a terrible mistake. Same thing with JOK, all that. Okay, so just to throw a little cold water, it doesn't mean they're not good players. It doesn't mean they're not the right pick. None of those things. But it's very rare that rookies make an impact. It's very rare that rookies make an impact on a good team. And as we saw last year, only about 20% of all rookies, good and bad teams, played prominent roles for their teams. So that means maybe Greg Newsom does, maybe JOK does, uh, maybe Anthony Schwartz. Who knows? We don't know. 
But just to throw a little cold water, these aren't players that take the Browns over the top in 2021. There are players that fill in some gaps, fill in some holes, while the Miles Garretts, the Odo Beckham Juniors, the John Johnson III, uh, the Ronnie Harrisons, again, all of those guys, the J.V. Clownies, Tack McKinley on the defensive side of the ball, uh, all of those guys are the players that put the Browns over the top. These guys fill some gaps, fill some depth, and if they're outside of the norm, maybe can make a significant contribution of over 500 snaps and really play well. But that is not the norm. That is an exception to the rule. So we don't want to bet on exceptions while these are really good players, really good picks, think they all fit, love the speed, all of that. Again, this is not poo-pooing the Browns draft. If the Browns draft was worth poo-pooing, I'd be poo-pooing the players in that first section. This is a conversation about a good freaking football team and what rookies mean to a good freaking football team. And most of the time, it's not a ton. They might make a play here and there, whatever. Anything more than that should be celebrated, not expected. Thank you again for stopping in to this edition to the Orange and Brown Report. Again, I am your host, Jared Mueller. Hope you are doing well. Hope your Monday is starting out well if you're listening as you're on your way into work. If not, I hope your Monday afternoon, Monday evening, or even Tuesday is going well. Thank you for stopping by. Make sure you get to theobr.com, at the OBR on Twitter, our social media, on Facebook, Uh, And then our YouTube channel with all the great stuff that's going up there. Again, the Orange and Brown Report. We are pretty much everywhere, folks. So make sure you check it all out. Hope you enjoyed all of our draft coverage. Again, on social media, uh, articles, the YouTube channel, all of that kind of stuff. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you are doing well. And as always, take care of yourself. Take care of others. And go Browns.